podcast 146 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And this week, we're going to talk about travelling with children, particularly young ones. How much harder is it than going away with other adults? And what are its special rewards? So, plenty of tips and uh, anecdotes. I hope I've certainly got a few. And so have our guests, Mark Walters. YouTube traveller extraordinaire, Nicky Lesware, who took his young child on an adventurous trip to Georgia, and Simon, your very own partner, Charlotte Hindle, who co-wrote The Lonely Planet Guide to Travel with Children. But let's start with a couple of listener tweets and regular contributor Rebecca Halpin responded to last week's interview with Mark Walters saying, my children have been fans of Walters World, that of course is his his YouTube uh, channel, for a long time. They even used to have t-shirts several years ago and she sends as proof a photo of uh, two children wearing orange and blue Walters World t-shirts. Do you think we should uh, make T-shirts available for you should have been there? Well, I need to explain that was your excellent idea for a name for a podcast series. And I think the general concept of you should have been there is a good one to um, shout about. So uh, certainly if anybody is listening who has a T-shirt concession, let's talk. I, I should say, though, going back to Rebecca's photo, that I was particularly interested in where the photo was taken. In the background, you can see some fascinating looking and very futuristic glass structures. And I wondered if it was the Valencian City of Arts and Sciences. Uh, Quite possibly, I can pretty much guarantee, knowing that uh, Rebecca lives in Crawley, that um, they weren't weren't knocking around in the the Tilgate area of that fine new town. (laughs) Well, if anybody knows... And I presume Rebecca will actually, uh, where the photo was taken, do please get in touch. Another you should have been there, or YSHBT, if we're going to fit it on a t-shirt regular, Ian Coxon tweets, Good to hear Mark Walters shared my dismay at the lack of ice machines in Europe. And then Ian goes on to uh, refer back to the previous podcast, which I think was number 144, about your 10 top travel tips for the summer, Simon, with these words. My own top tip is to cast your net wider when doing a city break. For instance, when visiting London, we always stay in Croydon. Hotels usually at least 30% cheaper and only 20 minutes by train to Victoria. And I should, of course, quickly add, and home to the sadly misfiring um, Premiership football team Crystal Palace. Also very handy to get to Brighton in, I think, a pretty absurd sounding 35 minutes. So, uh, yes, very good location. And of course, we always welcome your contributions. Um, Just tweet us at you should have BT. Anyway, let's get on to today's topic, travelling with very young children. What I mostly remember about travelling with our children when they were young was effectively the younger they were, the easier they were. Um, Daisy, our elder daughter, we first took travelling not very far, but on a London bus when she was a week old. And um, she was only uh, maybe three months old when we first took her on Eurostar to Brussels. That went well. And a few weeks later, actually, on her first plane trip, which was to Madeira. And um, yeah, very portable, 
very good. I mean, you can't actually include them in your baggage allowance, um, but uh, it, much, much easier than when, when they were older. What about yours, Mick? Well, I have many very clear memories of our very first trip abroad with our first child, baby Alec, when he was six months old. And uh, we went to Sicily one Easter. Um, it started very badly because um, he and I think many babies uh, share this uh, problem reacted very badly to the change of cabin pressure when we were mm. taking off, let alone when we landed uh, and screamed the whole way from Gatwick to Catania. Um, however, however, that was all um, magically rubbed away by the uh, wonderful experience the next day when we decided to have lunch at a Trattoria in Taormina, which has mm. since become very famous as the setting for the second series of uh, White Lotus. But uh, this was a long time before that. And uh, anyway, we were sitting outside in the wonderful spring warmth and uh, looking out towards the cone of Mount Etna in the mm. distance uh, when the waiter came up to take our order. And then he saw baby Alec and he said, Ah, the occhi azzurri. Um, what blue eyes with absolutely, obviously genuine delight. Um, and after taking our order, he asked if he could take baby Alec in his uh, in his little seat to go and uh, go and meet the chef. And um, <laughs> and we said, yeah, fine. Um, and then after about ten minutes, instead said, um. Do you think we should go and check and see whether he's all right? But at that very second, out came the waiter again with baby Alec in his car seat and a beatific smile on his face and a strand of spaghetti hanging from his mouth. And uh, and I think baby Alec, um, who is now 30-something, has been a great fan of uh, Italian cuisine ever since. And the Italians are immensely forgiving. Um, our other daughter, Poppy, was, I think, about a year old when we were in the second largest Italian island, uh, which is, of course, Mick, I'm going to have to hurry you. Um, uh, Ischia. No, no. Um, but you're in sort of, I, I would go, I would go um, west quite a bit and um, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just south of Corsica, not far at all. Oh, of course, Sardinia, silly me. Yes. Anyway, we we um, took uh, Poppy and Daisy there, and spectacularly, um, poor Poppy was um, extraordinarily ill in the as the taxi, uh, which was a very nice new Mercedes, turned into the airport. Um, approach road. Um, she was suddenly unable to. Um, uh, to to cope with the journey and that was got very very messy um and the guy <laughs> simply didn't mind at all even though his beautiful car um had been ruined oh. and now reeked of um uh well uh, you, you can imagine um so so uh, italy a very very good place to uh, uh take well, youngsters um, to i would say yes but other destinations are available because um to find out what uh, today's parents are getting up to i spoke uh, earlier to nikki lesware who's a freelance tv producer 
and who six months ago decided with his partner Rose to go on a six-week adventure with their baby Nye. And after much discussion about where to go and having reluctantly discarded Argentina on grounds of the distances and lengths of journey involved, they ended up on a road and air trip uh, visiting, well, I'll hand over to Nikki. We spent two weeks in Greece, then we spent two weeks in Georgia, and then we eventually ended up going to Turkey for two weeks as well. So we went for six altogether. But but ah. in Georgia, we we it's what I would say is just go if you get a chance. It's just an incredible place. But what's so good about it is it's quite a small country for how diverse the landscape is. So in sort of two weeks or maybe a bit longer or even sort of 10 days, you can get a real varied trip there. And it's it sounds I think we told a few people that we were going and they were a bit like Georgia, really? What? well one where is that or why would you go there it's a bit random but interestingly I think it's quite you know it's not it's not a difficult place to get around and it is actually kind of it's quite a heavy tourist destination for people in eastern Europe and also majorly Russians so Ah. so there is an infrastructure there so it's not you know it's not a really difficult country with a kid because of course, before you go to these places, you're Googling the hell out of it about, you know, oh, God, are there, there going to be hospitals here, hospitals there? We were reading blogs. I mean, they can almost put you off in a way because I think you do so much research. Yeah. You start to fixate on little things that are really terrifying for you. And so Georgia seemed good in that respect. But then the other thing you read is sheepdogs are terrifying in Georgia and they'll, they'll literally <laughs> maul people to death. So we kind of, and, and there's stray, stray dogs everywhere. And you sort of read all of this stuff and get and build it up into a big deal. And there are stray dogs everywhere in Tbilisi, but they are pretty harmless on the whole because a lot of them have been neutered. It's only in the really remote, non-touristy yeah, areas yeah. where you'll get these huge huge sheepdogs that you know they're there to fight off wolves and bears and stuff so so they have to be pretty mean but they'll, they'll go for you if they don't recognize you so but it's funny like I said you fixate and and it's fine once you go there. Well let me ask you how it was in the different countries did you notice anything particularly different in in the sort of ease or difficulty of traveling with with Nye uh who was, did you say about six months old at the time or nine, nine months? Old no, he was, he was, I think, I think he was about nine months. Well, actually he's probably about 10 minutes. He, he had his first birthday when they were there. So he must've been a bit yeah. older than that. Actually, okay. He must've been yeah. about 11, 11, 12 months is when, when we were away. When we were in Georgia, he would have, that was when he had his, his year birthday. So it's, it's such a varied country. So we went to, we went to Tbilisi. Then we went to this place called Borjomi, um, which is, I think, famous in Eastern Europe because there's um, spring water that comes out there. So uh-huh. you get bottles of Borjomi fizzy water, which t- tastes quite strange and sulfurous. But but it's beautiful forests and mountains that you can go walking in. And then we went into these, these cave network called the Vardzia Caves. And it's a kind of medieval city built into the caves on the on these cliff faces, which is just amazing, built by the Queen Tamar or something. Um and then we ended up in this place called Stepan's Minda, right up in the north. And that was where we celebrated his birthday. And that was interesting because as we were driving, there's one road that takes you right up to the Russian border. And as we were driving up there, it was the week uh, when basically Putin had just announced that he was going to draft all the Russians into the army for the Ukraine war. Oh. So all of the Russians were desperately fleeing through that one border down that one spectacular oh, mountain wow. road. And that was one of the moments when we were a bit like, are we being slightly irresponsible here? Because, you know, Georgia and Russia, for anyone who doesn't know, is quite a, quite a fraught uh, relationship. Yeah. The whole Georgian economy is 
built on Russian tourism. But of course, they they invaded Georgia in 2008. Obviously, part, it used to be part of the Soviet Union. But the Georgians themselves generally hate Russians because they still see themselves as being occupied by them. And but their but their culture is so much based around welcoming tourists and welcoming visitors. Oh. It's it's like a crucial part of their culture. So these two things are kind of at at odds in some ways. So they have they they are brilliantly welcoming to these Russian tourists. But everywhere you go, you see fuck Putin written everywhere. <laughs> you know, signs signs up about Russia and everything. And as we were going up to the border, there were just sort of streams of cars going the other way. And we had my parents and Rose's parents texting us, being like. You shouldn't be going. What are you doing? Because all of the it's funny, again, it's like you see the news and, and they're saying things like Russian troops are being sent to the border to stop people leaving. And, you know, when Russian troops are ever sending people to the border in places around that area, you do wonder if it's, yeah. you know, if it's a ruse to, for them to just invade. So so I think people were like, what are you doing? And we were we were having doubts as we were driving up there. But as soon as you get there, it was very busy in the town with people coming and going like lots of young Russian men. And we stayed uh, in a guest house with five like Russian couples that had just come over and we spoke to them quite a lot. And it was really fascinating because they, you know, they've been on the other side of the border for five days uh, trying to get yeah. through. And so lots of the men got through by basically paying bribes of like $8,000. Whereas the women came through the border, but they just had to queue for days on end. So we stayed with these four or five couples that had basically reunited on the Georgian side. And they, they were making a very, very big effort to be really amenable and lovely to the hosts because I think they're, they're aware yeah. of the reputation that Russian tourists have in Georgia. But, you know, the one the one great thing about Georgia, I'll say, is as an English person, everywhere you go in the world, you're seen as this sort of imperialist occupier. And it's one of the places where you go to Georgia they might think you're Russian and as soon as you open your mouth and speak English, they love you and <laughs> they're chuffed that you're not Russian. So it's, it makes a change. I've got to say it makes a change not to be that. Yeah. That's very nice. Were they, were they, were they, were they, were they surprised at, uh, were they, um, uh, obviously not your uh, hosts, but your, the fellow guests, were they surprised to see that you were there um, with a baby <laughs> on holiday? I think they were, they're probably, you know, it's, I, I don't think it was that usual, but I don't think it was beyond the pale. I mean, I, I guess we were also trying, it's difficult when you've got a young baby, there's not much you can do apart from sit on a beach, stroll around the town or sort of <laughs> yes. if, if they're light enough and you've got a bag <laughs> to go hiking with them. So we, we, we did a lot of hiking and we did a lot of hiking in the mountains around there. And I think that was unusual. You saw, you didn't see many people with these baby backpack carriers and a, and a sort of 10 month or 11 month old on their back um, doing these hikes. So you've got a lot of attention for that. But the thing I say about all three of these countries was just, it it's just incredible how much they love babies, how much they love kids. And I would say in lots of ah. ways, it actually made me think it makes traveling there easier because people fall over themselves to help you, you know, and it just means that there's a, if there's a big queue to get through customs, people fast track you straight through, you're sitting at a restaurant and the waiters will come and pick up the baby off you and start playing with them with, oh. with you. And, you know, it's really sweet. And they'll, you know, they'll come and give him a kiss on his cheek, give him little fruit and all this sort of stuff. And it does, we came back afterwards and it really made me sort of sad that Britain, <laughs> in Britain we're sort of so reticent to be yeah. nice to other people's young kids. Cause I guess you'd probably get accused of being a pedo or something. If you were, if you, <laughs> if you went off and started yeah. playing with someone else's kid, which is understandable, but it's, you know, it's, quite sad that that british reticence because there they're just so effusive in their love for, for these kids and it, it's oh, really oh, lovely was that true of all 
Was that true of all three countries? I would say it was. Yeah, I would say all three, all three was very much like that. Um, Georgia, Georgia particularly, but I would say Greece and Turkey also were, were were heavily like that. I mean, we've been to Italy with Nye once as well, and and it was kind of like that as well. So I think it might just be a Brit thing, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah. but Georgia was fantastic for that, and that that's where we we celebrated his first birthday in amongst the mountains, you know, in this quite spectacular place at this quite weirdly dramatic moment in history. So it was quite, it felt quite a special, special time. How, how exciting. Presume you've got lots of, uh, lots of pictures that you'll be able to show him um, when he <laughs> is yeah. old enough to become aware of. Loads, loads. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose during sort of th- six weeks away with quite a lot of traveling, did you have any kind of really uh, sort of um, worrying experiences when you thought, Oh damn, why did we do this? Uh, other than the, uh, the, the kind of possible <laughs> Russian invasion. Yeah, I think other than the Russian invasion, I think I think that very drive actually. You know, we everywhere we went, so Greece, Georgia, and Turkey, we hired a car for two weeks in each place. And because I think that's the one thing about traveling with a kid, yeah. you, you know, you do just have to get a set of wheels because you can just chuck everything in the boot and go. Um, but Nye's not huge. He's not brilliant in the car. He does get he does get irritated by it quite quickly. So. Another reason why Georgia was fairly good is quite it's quite small again. So, you know, the longest drive we ever did was four hours, but most were kind of more like an hour and a half, two hours between places. So so that was pretty good. But on the drive up to that mountain spot from Tbilisi, I mean, driving out of Tbilisi is is mad. It's the maddest place I've ever driven in my life by a long shot. You know, people driving completely on the wrong side of the road down one way, one way roads. So getting out of Tbilisi is tricky um but then this this mountain road which is pretty well paved the whole way but people do just drive quite madly and so we saw quite a drastic car crash on the way up and you do sort of think oh god we have to take it a bit easy here um and also in and the other thing we probably had was again in georgia at this cave network you know you, you spend so much time worrying about their health and being in close proximity to hospitals and all of that and this was probably the furthest we went from one and of course, Sod's Law, yeah. he got a kind of mild eye infection, but his eyes sort of, he, he's had them quite a few times actually, but just his eyes sort of swelled up slightly around it. And of course, it's a minor thing, but then he did seem a bit hot. And then we were up this up this cliff face in these caves and we were like, you know, we're over a day and a half from anywhere. Um, and so I was sort of scrambling down this this cliff with him on my back, a bit concerned about it. Um, trying to think god if, if we need to go and get him antibiotics or if it's something more than that you know you start worrying about meningitis as soon as you see rashes and all this sort of stuff so that yeah. was the only hairy moment but of course you know by about an hour and a half later we'd gone back and he'd had a breastfeed and he was pretty much okay and, and his eye went down so that was that you know i think i think there's always going to be an element of inherent worry about their health when you do go traveling because you're you're just slightly out of your safety safety zone sort of thing but i think you know on the whole you do just have to take a deep breath and think rationally it's probably okay and you know just just be as careful as you can be but don't don't let that be a barrier to going oh it sounds absolutely brilliant ah i can hear nye that's very good he's now um he's announced he's now taking part and saying i've got a few (laughs) words i'd like to add to this well don't be afraid to go for it is nikki leswear's message and uh, he did also say that baby nye became very partial to george's dumplings while he was there 
And I must say the idea of visiting Georgia with or without my children is very high on my agenda. Well, last week we heard from Mark Walters of Walters World. And after our interview, we asked him uh, for his tips about travelling with young children. Here's his top three. So one thing I think is really important when you're going to travel with your kids is you've got to get them involved before you go because surprising them with a, hey, we're going to go for the next two weeks to Spain, little kids don't like that. They like the routine. So if you've been talking about this beforehand, having them try some of the foods before they go, that's going to make it a lot easier for them to adjust when you get there because if they've never seen jamon before, they're going to freak out when they see it. But if you've had it at home, they've seen it. And therefore, it's something they can't say, I don't know what this is. And as anybody that has kids knows, the first time is always a disaster when you have kids try stuff, but the second time they've at least seen it. That's one thing. Another thing, if you're taking them to destinations, look for cartoons, especially for little kids. Find cartoons that are set in that city or in that country, and then your kids get excited when they see that. For example, our oldest son, when he was we're, you know, moving him to Portugal and we're going to go to Italy for a vacation, we were watching Looney Tunes. And there's one where where Bugs Bunny is at the Coliseum and the Coliseum's there and the gladiators are there and all kinds of stuff. And so he'd watched it a few times. And then we went to Rome and I remember he was like three years old. And when he looked and he saw the Coliseum, he was like, it's Bugs Bunny's house. And he was so pumped about it. And he's like, I wanted to go there. I told you I wanted to go there. And so he kind of owned it. So we're going around the Coliseum. He's like, yeah, this is the Coliseum. I chose this one. Another thing I think is important. Um, if you've got really little ones, don't be afraid to take your car seat and have like get a seat for them on the plane and make sure your car seat is allowed on the plane and have them have a seat in there because they will be a lot more comfortable in their car seat on the plane than they will in a normal plane seat. And that can save your sanity. And the thing is, they are kind of unwieldy to kind of take around everywhere, but you can get a telescopic handle for the car seat to drag them around. And all of a sudden your kid is the most popular person at the airport and they'll love that. Um, and it's easy to pop them into a pop into a taxi if you need to with that as well, because some countries don't let you take kids in a taxi unless there's a car seat and not every taxi carries a car seat. So something to kind of think about. Helpful stuff from um, Mark Walters and uh, Nikki Leswell's top tip was also make sure you take the car seat with you. Time now to introduce an actual real expert. This is Charlotte Hindle, who's co-author of Travel with Children, published by Lonely Planet. Now, Nikki gave a very upbeat account of his travels to Georgia and Turkey and Greece with a very young child, but presumably there's so many extra challenges that the short answer to the question, um, what's the best thing to do with very young children, is not to travel with them. Yes. Hi, Mick. Um, hi, Simon. And, and I would um, completely disagree with that statement. Um, I My children um, are now nearly 20 and 23. And I think um, uh, one, one of the best times to travel with them was, was when they were really young. I mean, like completely really young. Uh, you know, we know that they are inexpensive. Um, uh, it's They sleep a lot. Um, you know, they're very happy just to be with you. Um, uh, you know, they're terribly, you know, terribly easy to, to carry around, um, you know, either in the sling or, um, um, you know, in the, um, in the buggy. So I think it's a really good time to travel, you know, when children are young, when it gets difficult, I suppose, when they're crawling. I mean, I remember um, being really sort of obsessed by hotel rooms um, and um, knowing that, Often they're really not not really cleaned to um, um, you know a super you know a super huge 
um, standard, even you know, even the expensive ones. So you would still find things on the floor, uh, particularly yeah. under the bed, um, at which you know young children could get hold of. So that includes pills. Uh, <laughs> toenails. Oh, I know. No. I know. Oh, so um, uh, uh, you know, pe- I don't know, sort of buttons and, you know, like anything that, that a young child could yeah. grab and then um, put into, um, um, into their mouth. So I definitely think that's something to watch for. And the other thing to watch for is balconies. So um, I really remember in Spain, in Santander, uh, sort of going into a room and thinking, oh gosh, this looks, you know, completely lovely. Um, and, and then, but then realizing that we would you know, never be able to go out on the balcony because it was um, just railings. So, you know, yeah. so, so, you know, you do, obviously you're always thinking one step ahead, you know, and you, you know, you need to think about your equipment, um, you know, your buggy, your sling, you need to think about immunizations, you know, you, it's not super great to go traveling with young, yeah. young children until they've had their immunizations. Um, and then malarial areas. I mean, we were we were very careful about the places that we went to, um, uh, and we didn't go to any malarial areas until the children were ten. When they get a bit older, um, the challenges are different, aren't they? And I, I know that uh, Charlotte, you and uh, Simon uh, don't tend to travel in cars as much as. I do, but I'm sure you've had that uh, long journey in car experience with younger children, um, uh, with children, with children who are, um, oh, I don't know, you know, eight, nine, ten, that kind of thing, yeah. with the perennial would... question: When are we going to get there? Well, I, I think the I, I remember a real turning point um, in terms of travel with children, and it was a little bit earlier than that. And it's when the children start having views. Um, I know, and I remember being in Naples actually, and that was like the first time. So we were, um, uh, um, and and Daisy, you know, we we were, we were looking around um, some type of site, and and then we were going to go on to another one, and we talked about that, and and Daisy said, "I don't, you know, I don't want to go there." <laughs> And she, and then she, and then she actually expressed a view that she wanted to go somewhere else, and it it was just and I'm, I'm thinking oh my god, suddenly we, we we've not only got two people that want to do you know different things um uh, uh so you know I want to do something probably that's different to what Simon wants to do and now we've suddenly got a third person who wants to do something completely different and of course. If you're going to travel with children, you can't. You've, you've got to take in yeah. their views all the time, obviously. Um, uh, so we did end up actually doing um, what Daisy wanted to do. Um, and, and then also, you know, obviously by the time you've got, say, you know, four people wanting to do sort of different things, sometimes we would try and have a day each. Ah, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, that's a bit difficult. Um, but that's why that's one reason why I think it's really good um, to travel with babies, you know, before before they can tell you what they want to do. <laughs> Did you two go through the phase of um, I want my friend to come with me kind of thing when actually the most important people in um, the young person's uh, world was actually their friends? And the thought of going on holiday without one of them was um, was absolutely anathema. Yeah, yes. I mean, I actually... To be honest, I think we introduced that concept oh, right. yeah. um, uh, rather than, you know, rather than the children saying, can I bring? Because they weren't, you know, I think they didn't think it was a possibility. Um, but we did. And actually, oh, that, to be honest, I really think that works. Um, uh, and, um, um, you know, I think that makes for much happier 
children. I mean, obviously, I think we started doing that when they were about, I think, 11. Um, and at 11, of course, they still, you know, they're not autonomous. You you know, you can't really, you know, they can, depending on, on where you are, um, uh, you know, they can go off with their friend to do a few bits and pieces, you know, if they're in a safe environment. But, you know, they, they can't go off with their friend to do you know too much um but but as they get older and if you want to go away with friends or with boyfriends um uh, uh, that's actually completely perfect now um and because we pretty much always go away with a, you know with a with another with another person's um uh, uh you know yeah. uh, with with a, with a, with a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend um, um and and then you can just leave them to do whatever it is that they want to do you can have breakfast in the morning and you can say well you know this is what we're intending to do you know uh, please come with us if you'd like to but if you you know if you don't or you've got other things that you want to do they can oh, they yeah. can just go off and do whatever they want and then we'll arrange to meet them in a restaurant um, um a little you know later on that evening and then we can all talk about our day they've done what they wanted to do which I've got to say is mostly not very much um and and, um and and we've gone off and you know like walked 60 miles or something and seen 500 sites Um, and then um I'm a huge fan of that yeah well Anyway, um, uh, we'd love to hear your tips, of course, about travelling with children. Um, thank you very much indeed to Charlotte Hindle, um, co-author of Travel with Children, um, the Lonely Planet book. Um, and also, of course, uh, to Nicky for sharing his stories as well. Well, I'll second all of that. So until our next podcast, uh, from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.